This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this, as you know, is an independent England supporters podcast that aims to look at all aspects of our national team, preferably when they're playing. But fortunately, you seem to be enjoying the recent episodes that I've put out. So thank you for all your feedback and kind words. I hope you're all good. Hope you're all well. And these little episodes are a little distraction to the outside world. Now this week, I thought I'd give you a couple of episodes. The one earlier in the week with David Bedlow reminiscing about his first England away game back in 2001. The famous 5-1 Munich game has gone down really, really well. Now I did consider going down the route of some episodes on the Euro 96 games currently being run by ITV at the moment. But I decided against it. Plus, I've already covered the tournament with Dean Cornish recently which is still available at 3lionspodcast.com or your chosen podcast provider. If you've not heard it yet, go on, give it a whirl. But so far, England opened up with a 1-1 draw against Switzerland. Wasn't the best of performances, but hopefully we can get up and running against Scotland next. Big game, that one. Big game. Now, something I've not covered in more detail and something that I've been meaning to talk about is the Phil Neville Lionesses situation, which I think we need to address. Sure, happened a little while back, but nothing's really happened since. So I think, yeah, I think we can get away with this. Back on the 23rd of April, the same day that UEFA announced that the Women's European Championships tournament that was due to be played here in England in 2021 was going to be moved to 2022. It was that same day the FA announced that they wouldn't be renewing Phil Neville's contract, which was due to end in the summer of 2021 after the conclusion of Euro 2021. Now, Phil was appointed back in January 2018. You may remember there was quite a lot of talk about it at the time. It was his first real gig. Should it be a man that took the job? All those sort of questions. I seem to remember talking about it on the podcast at the time. So effectively, any more games that he does take charge of now will just be friendly games unless his successor is appointed before and a change is made sooner. He took charge of 35 games, winning 19 and losing 9. Although it must be said that 7 of those have come since the World Cup semi-final last year. And he did have a good start, winning the She Believes Cup in 2019 the annual four-team tournament that's held in the USA, February-March time. And of course, he took the Lionesses to the World Cup in France last year. But things, well, they've pretty much deteriorated since. So, side time, we talk to our resident Lionesses correspondent, Rich Laverty. I'd like to welcome to the Three Lions podcast, as we generally do when we're speaking lionesses. Please welcome Rich Laverty. Rich. Yep, thanks for having me back on. No, you're welcome. Good to uh, good to hear you again. You keeping well? 
Yeah, very well, thank you. A um, little bit boring, but um, yeah, like what can we do? We've, we're getting used to it now, aren't we? We are, yes. But uh, yeah, we're, we're just longing for it all to get back to some sort of normality. But something I'd been been wanting to do for a little while, and I thought it's about high time I, I covered this, was the the Lionesses situation and Phil Neville. Phil Neville was, I don't know, was he put on gardening leave? Was he been, I don't know what the official term is. Um, but 23rd of April, his contract was effectively, not well, not even terminated. He's been so, said you can carry on until July 2021. What did you make of all of that? Did you see it coming? Um, I didn't see the announcement coming. I'll be honest. I think obviously not, not nothing strangely changed in terms of he was likely always going to leave after his contract, um, which ends in twenty twenty one. So from that point of view, the situation isn't any different to what we expected. I just found it odd that they decided to announce it so far in advance. I mean, there's a lot of managers probably out of contract next summer because you know it should have been the European Championships and. You know, a lot of contracts are sort of tailored to end after a cycle, but, you know, we haven't seen all the other nations make these, you know, decisions. I think Netherlands are in the same boat with Serena Weigman. She's out of contract um, next summer and they haven't said anything. So it's a strange situation, I have to be honest. I'm not sure what they've gained from announcing it. I think it's raised more questions than it has answers because now people are, you know, obviously speculating first and foremost who will replace him, but also you know, the question mark of who is going to lead Team GB. And it doesn't even seem like either the FA or, or Phil himself know who is going to lead Team GB next summer because his contract expires, I believe, just before the tournament is rescheduled to start, if it, of course, happens. So, yeah, it's um, it's a little bit of a strange one. I mean, I hope we, we would get clarity sooner rather than later. Of course, it's still, you know, 14, 15 months away. It's a long time and obviously a lot can happen in that period but I'm not really you know the play we've heard little bits from players now in the last few weeks that you know they were surprised there's a bit of you know confusion about what's going on so it's not really good for anybody at the minute to have this uncertainty and I hope it gets cleared up one way or another but then if you bring a new manager in do they come in now do they come in you know two weeks before an Olympic Games with no time to prepare you know Phil's going to want to take that team so yeah I found it all a little bit odd that they decided to announce it when they did to be honest do you, do you think he expected it i mean publicly seemingly no I, I i don't know where the leak came from but i always find in these things leaks usually come from you know people fairly close to to those who it's about or from the fa so it would be interesting to know where the story did come from I'm not massively sure what phil would have had to gain from from leaking it himself to be honest with you so yeah, it's a, it's a strange one. I mean, obviously he would have known he was going. Those conversations would have been had. Again, I just, I'm just i trying to sort of work out what the game is, you know, in terms of who is trying to benefit. You know, the FA leaking it when they did or announcing it when they did. It hasn't really benefited the FA because it's just people are just throwing questions at them about it. So uh, it's a very strange one, yeah. So I, I don't know whether he would have expected it or not. Like I said, I think a lot of people are just confused about what the motivation was for announcing it 15 months before his contract expired. Yeah, I mean, I've always found him to be quite honest and, and self-critical after games. There was a, a few times in the in the World Cup afterwards and, and of 
on the back of some of this losing streak um, that after the World Cup. He, he knew that we weren't performing as we should be, um, and, I, and I'm sure that he was keen to get that rectified. But I think those that seven, was it a seven-game, seven losses after the World Cup, just, I think, in the end, really, I guess, media pressure, not wanting to, to point in your direction, um, but, but maybe got to the FA? I think it probably made the decision easier. Yeah, I think, obviously, if you come out of the World Cup, if we'd won the World Cup, obviously, it would have been a different story. But even if we'd come out of it and, you know, won seven games out of 11 rather than losing seven games, or, you know, we'd beaten Germany at Wembley then, yeah, it probably would have been a harder decision. Uh, but then again, you know, maybe Phil always wanted to walk away after 2021. You know, he would have come into the job knowing, you know, he had a World Cup and Olympic Games and a European Championships, you know, and, and for a one cycle, you know, of a, a three-year contract, that's that's not a bad little trio of tournaments to take part in. And he probably thought, you know what, do those three tournaments and then, and then I'm happy. I think the problem was if he stayed on, you know, there's not really a gap then, you know, to bring in a new manager and have that transition because you're going to have the Olympics next year, you're going to have the European Championships then the year after that. And then the year after that, the World Cup. So the FA probably looked at it and said, look, we need to change now because if we do it after the Olympics, a new manager only has a year um, to the European Championships and then after that, only a year until the World Cup. And Phil probably didn't want to commit all the way through until 2023. So I think that was probably 50% the logistical side of it now with all the tournaments being shifted back. But yeah, you're right. I think the results probably made it a bit easier on both sides to say, you know, maybe this is this is time for a change. Yeah, I mean, he, and he, what did he do? He took thirty-five games. He won nineteen. He drew five, and he, he lost eleven in total. But I'm I'm guessing probably his his highlights probably going in fairly early, and obviously winning the she believes in twenty nineteen, and of course qualification for the World Cup and getting getting as far as he did. Um, but what? Where would we see? What do you think his plans are now? Will he stay in the women's game, or would you think he'll return to the to the men's game? I wouldn't be surprised if he stayed in the women's game, or he came back to the women's game one day. But it's an odd one. I think you know when it's someone's first management job, you think, well, where do they go after that? You know, there's not many jobs better than managing your national team, um, whether it's male or female. So. I don't know, you know, would he, you know, we saw Mark Sampson, of course, go into the Football League, would we see him, I think if he was to go into the men's game, I think I'd be surprised if it was, you know, Premier League, um, I think you'd probably look at maybe Championship, top end, I, I can't see a, a manager in the women's game going straight into the Premier League, if it was women's football, then yes, you'd probably have more of a chance of a, a WSL job or, you know, maybe a job abroad, so it'd be interesting. I think, you know, he hasn't said anything publicly, but there's been reports that he would stay in the women's game. So, yeah, it'll be um, it'll be interesting to see what he Because he is, he is connected to, I want to get this right, is it Salford City? Yeah. So, I mean, would that have connotations if, if he was to go into the men's game? Would he have to sever those links or could he just go to Salford City in some sort of capacity? Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't be surprised if he rocked up. Salford as manager I don't think him having a stake in the club would be an issue because I tend to recall similar conversations last year when Paul Scholes took the Oldham job Um, oh yeah yeah and and obviously he went to Oldham so there obviously wasn't too much of an issue so 
I'm sure he probably could go to uh, another club if he wanted to. Okay, well, we shall, shall watch watch and see on that one. And I mean, obviously, now we know that, that Phil's going to be going, everyone's looking towards who is going to be his replacement. Mm. Um, and, and I'm guessing there's, there's two sort of sides to this. There's obviously the, all the, the candidates that are there, but do you stick? Obviously, it's, it's the Lionesses. Do you go with a, a male manager or, or do you go down the female Route. I mean, in the past, England have only had two lionesses. Have only had two female coaches, Hope Powell and, and Mo Marley, albeit a, uh, a temporary position for Mo Marley. What What would you personally like before we go on to the the candidates side? Well, the suggestions that I've heard from the FA seem to, and this is not, you know, they haven't briefed anything, but people seem to think they want a female manager. For me. It's, it's got to be best person for the job. You know, I've, I've sort of had enough of all this kind of grow the game now and, you know, picking people who are going to raise the profile of the sport. And, you know, Phil did that. There's no question. And But that shouldn't be the criteria for a manager. I think we can do all these things that we do with Disney and, and everything. But actually the best way of growing the women's game is by winning a major tournament. Like if we won... Maybe not an Olympic gold, but if we won our home Euros, you know, mm. if we won a World Cup, that would do more for the game, whoever your manager is, than anything else the FA can try and do through through marketing or bringing new fans in. If you come back with a World Cup or you win your home Euros at Wembley Stadium in front of 90,000 of your own fans, that will grow the game more than anything. But to do that, you need the best manager available you need the best coach to get the best out of these players and I've watched England now during my time covering the women's game lose three semi-finals in a row and I'd rather see them win one you know if it means having a a let you know I'm not saying any other manager would have beaten the USA you know it was an incredibly tough match but you know we want to we don't we don't want to become the team that that nearly wins you know but oh after the World Cup, I was a little bit frustrated, you know, and it was great hearing about, like, the TV figures and things like that. But I just remember thinking, like, that's not what we should be celebrating. You know, we just lost a World Cup semi-final and we're celebrating, like, how many people are watching on TV. And I think you just want to just want to win. Yeah. Like, you know, that's how we grow the game. And I think we're almost looking for other things to celebrate to excuse the fact that we're not doing what we should on the pitch. And maybe... Maybe I'm being a bit miserable or maybe I'm realistic. I don't know. But I just think the best way you can grow the game is by winning. So for it's me, time, you get time to just manager. step it up. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd agree. I'd agree. I mean, well, on on to the candidates, I guess. I mean, the, the, the immediate three, I think, that came to my mind were all female. And, and they'd be Jill Ellis, the former... Uh, American manager Emma Hayes, current Chelsea, and and Casey Stoney, current Manchester United manager. But then there's there's a few others that are dotted around. I mean, uh, am I on the am I on the right track with those three, or is there others that you can that you would think are maybe a step ahead? Yeah, I think there's a, the the thing with the England job. It's really strange that there are there's a lot of good candidates out there, and that is just English coaches. That's before you even start looking at foreign managers but it, it's so odd and like last time I kind of understood why there wasn't a queue of people you know looking at the job because 
there was a lot of bad attention around the job and, and the FA at the time. But even now, you know, we haven't heard like a stream of managers come out and say, yeah, you know, I want the job. And you think it, it should be like the peak of your career to manage your national team. But, you know, Emma Hayes came out straight away, like she did last time, saying, look, it doesn't interest me. Yeah. I, I want to be on the pitch every day. And I think that's the difficult thing for the club managers. And I think Phil said that in an interview with, with MUTV last week, that that was the thing that even frustrated Casey when she was assistant, that she wanted to be on the pitch every single day. And I think even Phil has said that himself, that, you know, he got frustrated after a camp that, you know, you wouldn't then see your players for another month or two. So I think that's the really thing that puts off the club managers. The three you mentioned, I think they all come with caveats. Obviously, Emma's caveat is that she said she doesn't want it. Um, so I think we can almost rule Emma out. I think yeah. Jill... Jill's such an interesting one because Jill's never worked outside the US soccer system. You know, she's come up through there. She's managed that national team. But, you know, firstly, she had the best players in the world, the absolute best players in the world. And I think as well, she was part of a team. You know, she had obviously Don Scott is with the FA now anyway, but she had a coach, Tony Gustafsson. She had a goalkeeper coach as her analyst. And I think it almost worked because of that. And it's whether you can recreate that with the FA it would cost a lot of money. Like even Jill Ellis herself would not come cheap, never mind all the backroom staff as well. So uh, a lot of people have mentioned it and maybe it will happen because obviously she is a free agent, but I still find it hard to believe. And I think with Casey, maybe she was always the one that was lined up, but she's still very new. She's still very new to management. And I think last season... There's only one season is that she's been at United. Yeah, and I mean, last season was hard to judge because she was in a league where, you know, they they did very well. You know, they did what they were expected to do, but they were always expected to win that league. And I don't think you can judge a manager off that this season. It's been up and down. I actually think against some of the top teams, they've done better than, than I expected. You know, when they've gone up against Man City or Arsenal or Chelsea, you know, they've lost more often than not, but they've really competed. But actually... Games against West Ham, Brighton, you know, Bristol, they've drawn games, lost games that they weren't expected to. And I think I think Casey needs a bit more time before throwing her into the England job. There's a lot of good candidates beyond those three. But again, every manager I look at, I just, I find a reason for why they wouldn't want it or it's the yeah. wrong time. And I think that's why we might, if it's not Jill Ellis, why we might end up with someone, I don't know whether it'd be from the men's game again, but maybe someone who is more of a left-field choice um, because, you know, you can go through Nick Cushing, people like, you know, Nick's obviously just taking a new job, so that almost rules him out. I did read this morning Joe Montemuro saying, like, it would be an honour to manage England, but, of course, he's under contract with Arsenal. He's got a great job there. So, I mean, I like Paul Riley, North Carolina manager, won the NWSL the last two years, and, and he did actually apply for it back in 2013 when Hope Powell left. So he's obviously shown interest in the past. Uh, I think he's a very good coach as well. But again, he's got a great job out there. So it's difficult. You know, it's very hard to say right now with any certainty. You you could make a reasonable guess on who it is because everyone has a caveat. Yeah. I mean, the reason I I would be quite, I don't know about keen, but I I would say Casey Stoney would be a, a good candidate was because she is a former lioness herself. Uh, much sort of the reasoning behind a lot of people think that Gareth Southgate in the men's side um, has been so successful is because he had that the actual 
um, of be playing as, as part of the uh, the national team. Um, I mean, are there any other players, former Lionesses, that could be in the frame? Yeah, I mean, obviously players like Kelly Smith, who's done the coaching badges, and Rachel Yankee, but they're so inexperienced in in the grand scheme of things. Obviously, you got more Marley, you know, who was manager of Everton for a long time and has been in the Lionesses youth setups for nearly twenty years now. But again, you know, Mo took it interim last time after Mark left, and I don't think she really wanted it. I don't think Mo wants the limelight. I don't think she's that kind of person. So. Marianne Spacey, of course, who is Mark's assistant, uh, former Lioness, is at Southampton at the moment. She could definitely be a candidate for me, someone who's worked within the, the FA before and, and obviously has a lot of respect from the players. You know, she's a legend um, of the Lionesses. So that wouldn't massively surprise me, if I'm being honest with you, Marianne, if that's the route they want to go down. But again, I think you also have to make sure, like I said, it's the right person uh, rather than just saying, well, she was a lioness, so let's let's mm. hire her. If it's going to be a good coach, then great. But that has to be the most important thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll wait and see. Hopefully, they can they can get something sorted sooner rather than later. Because, well, although the tournament you say is fourteen, fifteen months away now, it's all that that will be the the Olympics if it takes place. Um, yeah. But as well, there is the the rescheduling of the the Euros from twenty twenty one to twenty twenty two. I got that right. Yeah, that right. Yeah, I, I mean, it was always going to happen. I feel, uh, but there was other things from said about that that Jill Scott even said the knock on effect of that. She'll be a year older, and would she be considered? She mentioned her concerns for that. Do you think how will that play out now? Do you think? Yeah, feels a long time away, two years at the minute. Yeah, it's interesting because I think a lot of the players probably looked at the Euros and thought that's a good time to walk away, you know, because you've got a nice two-year gap then of a transition for the younger players until the World Cup. But it's difficult. And, you know, I mentioned it earlier with the manager, you've now got three tournaments in three consecutive years. And I think we had seven players at the World Cup who were over 30. Obviously, Kazkani retired, so... Yeah, you know, players like Steph and, and Ellen and Jill, you know, they're going to be 33, 34, 35 now by the time this tournament comes around. So uh, whether they get phased out before then, I don't know. You know, they might have been planning, you know, home Euros, best way to go out. But if yeah. you get to 2022, you then I think naturally you have that instinct to think, well, you know, the World Cup's a year away now. You know, I'm going to hang on another year. And I think... Look, firstly, you have to, if, if you can be at that level to perform when you get to 35, 36, then, then by all means. But I don't think we can risk hamp, hampering the, the younger players coming through, you know, the ones we saw at She Believes and the Lauren Jameses, you know, beyond that, um, just to just to keep the likes of Steph and Jill and, and Ellen around until 2023, because three years is a long time. So it will be interesting whether those players take it upon themselves to, to move away or whether they are, they're forced out of the way at some point because there's just, like I said with the manager, there is no easy transitional point now with three tournaments coming up in, in consecutive summers. So you're right, it'll be, it will be interesting to see how that plays out. And uh, I mean, it, it can be done. I think, wasn't there a Brazilian player who, I, I forget her name now, but um, she was, I think she was just below 40, wasn't she, in the last World Cup? Yeah, she's. I think she's over. Yeah, she just signed a new contract with PSG, actually. So she's going to be going on until she's forty-two, forty-three um, at this rate. So 
Go on, yeah, remind me of her name. I can't remember for, her name. Formiga. Formiga, that was it, yes. Yeah, so she's a bit of a, a phenomenon. Yeah, I can't see Steph Horton or Ellen White going on till they're 42 somehow, but <laughs> it's incredible one, you know, to sign a new contract to, to go through. You know, she might be at the Olympics next year again, so the how she's doing it, I don't know. But yeah, um, yeah it's, it's amazing. Well, I mean, yeah, so the Olympics will be potentially the... The next tournament that takes place, but we we just really don't know a whether that will happen, um, and b who will be in charge for Team GB. I mean, we always had these conversations um, of the the headaches that Phil might have to mm. uh, to pick his team because it'd be a, a smaller squad, and obviously got to pick players from from the United Kingdom. But perhaps that headache he no longer has anymore. Yeah, it'd be a huge shame. It would be a huge shame not to not to have it because it's so rare we actually see a Team GB women's team and, and this time they wouldn't have the men's game to compete with either. You know, 2012, the men and the women had Team GB, whereas this time it's just the women. So if people wanted to tune in and, and watch, you know, the country play football at the Olympics, you know, they'd have to watch the women. So, and we've got such a good chat. You know, there's so many good players across the four nations, a lot of good young players coming through as well. So it'd be a massive shame if it's not. I mean, if it doesn't go ahead next year, then it's not worth thinking of what the next 12 months might be like if we're still at a position where the Olympics can't even go ahead in, you know, 14, 15 months. So, yeah, it, yeah I mean, it might solve my headache, whether it's obviously, like I said, we don't know even if it's going to be Phil. Who takes the team? But yeah, I, I fingers crossed that it does happen because I think it would be a, it's going to be a great opportunity for so many players. Yeah, well, let's hope so. Uh, I mean, just a little bit more closer to home, um, the WSL, the Women's Super League, at the moment is in much like the Premier League in a state of limbo. What What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I, I think the longer it goes on, I think just the less likely it is to carry on. I think obviously the financial pressure in the women's game is so that the the teams can't they can't afford to just carry on forever you know wait until september october or whatever i think there has to be a decision taken soon and i think the longer it goes on as well people are just starting to almost switch mentally to next season you know i think it's been such a long gap now you know for me working with sheffield united you know even i'm now thinking you know, it it feels like this season's done. You know, it just feels like it's over because it's been so long since we've had a game. Um, I think our last game was at the end of February. Wow. So it's been, been two and a half months now since we had a football match. So, like, if it restarts, then great, as long as it's safe. You know, I'm not against it, but, you know, I think you have to think of the game and, and we want to keep all the clubs in business. And there's going to be a lot of clubs week by week as this goes on that are feeling the the financial pressure so like hopefully a decision's made soon um i think either way there just has to be some clarity you know it's not fair on the players it's not fair on the staff and everyone's sat at home not knowing what's going on so yeah look if it restarts then then fine and, and we can come to a fair conclusion but i think we can realistically only give it you know maybe another certainly no longer than the end of may before yeah. um, we make a, a firm decision on on what happens. Well, we as uh, as I said earlier on, we we watch, we wait, and we'll we'll see what happens. But it'd be a uh, it'd be good to hopefully speak to you at some stage soon when uh, when maybe that we've got a new manager or, or we know that there's going to be some games in the pipeline. 
Yeah, hopefully it's um, well. Hopefully with the games, definitely sooner rather than later. Yeah, yeah. Rich, thank you very much for your time, and uh, yeah, look after yourself. Stay safe. No problem. You too. Thank you to Rich there. Of course, you can follow him on Twitter at RichJLaverty. And to you, thank you for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode. Hey, I may even give you another two next week. We'll see. But I do have some very interesting ones all lined up for the not-too-distant future. So uh, please do stay subscribed. Now, as I'm sure you're aware, you can follow the show on Twitter, at Three Lions Podcast. We're also on Facebook, Instagram too. And if you are in a giving mood, a nice little review on the likes of iTunes always goes down well. And in the meantime, continue to stay safe. Do all the usual things that we've been used to for the past couple of months. The more we continue to do what we believe to be safe, the better our chances are of meeting up again, either at Wembley or on a forthcoming away day. So until the next time, cheers. <laughs>